Hello and welcome to this week's Three Shifts edition by Six Pages, the source for far-reaching market shifts and what they mean. It's January 15th, 2021. I'm Eric Thompson, and here are the three shifts that you need to know this week. One, big tech bans and their Section 230 implications. Two, Visa's Plaid acquisition falls through under pressure from the DOJ's antitrust suit. And three, Walmart is launching a venture with powerhouse fintech VC Ribbit Capital. Shift one, big tech bans and their Section 230 implications. Among the many ramifications of the recent capital riots are their impact on Section 230 protections. The account restrictions instituted by big tech firms in the aftermath on U.S. President Donald Trump and associated entities have been unprecedented for a U.S. political leader of his prominence. As of now, restrictions have been instituted by Twitter, a permanent ban, Facebook and Instagram, an indefinite ban, YouTube, a one-week suspension, Snapchat, a permanent ban, Twitch, an indefinite ban, Stripe, discontinuation of payments processing for fundraising, and Shopify, termination of merchandise stores. Other tech firms have placed restrictions on conservative social platform Parler for content supporting the capital violence. Parler, which claims over 12 million users, has seen bans by Amazon, discontinuation of AWS cloud services, Google and Apple, removal from app stores, Slack, cancellation of team and community messaging, Zendesk, suspension of customer support, SillaDB, shutdown of its database, Twilio, indefinite suspension of SMS authentication, and Okta, discontinuation of login and identity services. With Google, IBM, and Oracle refusing to host Parler, it's not clear whether Parler will be able to find alternatives that can serve its scale. Other online communities seeing bans include R. Donald Trump on Reddit, certain hashtags on TikTok and Pinterest, for example, hashtag Stop the Steal, and the Donald on Discord. PayPal and GoFundMe have also cut ties with groups raising money for capital rioters. The tech firms have pointed to policy violations as their rationale. However, the weight of so many tech firms moving in unison, if not in concert, to quote-unquote de-platform a major political figure have left people on both sides of the aisle uneasy. Including world leaders such as German Chancellor Angela Merkel and Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador. Others have taken issue with tech firms effectively shutting down Parler, a platform that explicitly aligns itself with free speech. Some are calling for changes to the Section 230 protections of the Communications Decency Act of 1996. Section 230 is the most important law addressing liability for online speech, especially this critical line. Quote, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. End quote. Its protections, which have exceptions, for example, child pornography, laid the groundwork for a modern internet with social media, user-generated video, wiki-based encyclopedias, search, self-publishing, online reviews, communities, and comment sections. Section 230's original intent was to encourage self-moderation of content like pornography and allow platforms to apply their own rules quote-unquote in good faith without being held liable for user-generated content. The alternatives to Section 230 were generally viewed at the time to be no moderation, avoiding liability as a distributor, or no user-generated content, avoiding liability as a publisher, not political neutrality or rigorous moderation. That said, the world has changed 
and big tech as a mass scale and power worrisome to people on both sides. Democrats have long been seeking more moderation, while Republicans are demanding less, and both have threatened to use Section 230 protections removal as a bludgeon. Trump issued an executive order in May 2020 that called on the U.S. FCC to clarify the definition of good faith. The order has had little impact to date. After the Capitol riots, outgoing chairman Ajit Pai said he would not move forward with Section 230 rulemaking in his remaining time. The public moderation of Trump is likely to have implications for Section 230's future direction, setting the stage for how President-elect Joe Biden's incoming administration addresses big tech power. Biden himself has been a critic of Section 230, saying in January 2020 that it should be, quote, revoked immediately, end quote, though it's not clear how committed he is to that position. The step up in policing of Trump could be big tech's way of posturing to the Biden administration that they are serious about moderation. Given the vast ramifications of overturning Section 230, it is more likely that it will be edited or replaced rather than removed altogether. A wide range of alternatives could play out. Revisions could focus on more moderation, or more consistent moderation, or more unbiased moderation, or greater transparency around moderation, or independent oversight of moderation. Biden incoming Deputy Chief of Staff Bruce Reed has suggested, quote, throwing out Section 230 and starting over, end quote. He emphasizes approaches such as establishing prerequisites for immunity and accountability for revenue-generating content, for example, with ads. Platforms could also be liable for specific types of content, for example, revenge porn and extremism. Section 230 is already being chipped away with a 2018 law removing safe harbor protections for knowingly facilitating sex trafficking. Section 230 is separate from parlor shutdown. That situation is about parlor's business partners, which are private companies and not public utilities, cutting ties based on policy violations and desire not to be associated with parlor. Though Parler is suing Amazon, the case seems to be largely an attempt to get reinstated. Over the long haul, however, it opens the question of who serves as gatekeepers to the most important networks of exchange today and reminds us that competition is generally a good thing. To read more content related to social media platform moderation and big tech regulation, check out our October 9th, 2020 Three Shifts edition, Social Media Tries to Encourage More Civil Conversations. In our May 29th, 2020, Three Shifts edition, Trump's executive order threatens to make tech platforms liable for user content. Shift 2. Visa's Plaid acquisition falls through under pressure from the DOJ's antitrust suit. Under pressure of the U.S. Department of Justice's, or DOJ's, antitrust lawsuit filed in November 2020, Visa and financial API startup Plaid this week mutually agreed to terminate the planned $5.3 billion acquisition originally announced in January 2020. While Visa believed it would win, it ultimately decided it wasn't worth a multi-year legal battle and potential scrutiny of how it sets fees. Plaid will continue to, quote, work with Visa as an investor and partner, end quote, with Visa holding on to its minority stake. Visa had intended for Plaid, which connects bank accounts to financial apps, to help drive its, quote-unquote, network of networks strategy, the movement of money anywhere at scale globally. Visa's stated rationales for acquiring Plaid had included access to Plaid's fintech customers, bank account authentication, and open banking solutions for clients. Where Visa ran into antitrust issues was in the realm of less explicit rationales, i.e. how Plaid could help Visa fend off threats. Plaid, as a standalone business, was not that meaningful for Visa, which generates $22 billion in revenue annually. 
Where it was meaningful was in how Plaid could help Visa ensure its continued dominance in future scenarios. The most serious threat to Visa has been the shift to bank accounts as funding sources, particularly ACH payments. The DOJ's antitrust suit specifically highlighted the Visa CEO's description of the acquisition as a quote-unquote insurance policy that could help neutralize a quote threat to our important U.S. debit business, end quote. In contrast, the DOJ in November 2020 approved rival MasterCard's $825 million acquisition of Finicity, a financial API firm similar to Plaid, in part based on MasterCard's smaller footprint in online debit. Visa controls 70% of online debit transactions versus MasterCard's 25%. According to the DOJ, Plaid had been developing a lower-cost option for online debit payments. While it's unlikely Visa wanted to spend $5.3 billion to kill Plaid, certainly having the power to choke adoption of ACH, or at least own a control point, would have been a compelling factor. Plaid, meanwhile, seems well-positioned to prosper. Its potential to disrupt debit cards and drive down fees still stands, and is probably strengthened. Paying Plaid customers have shot up over 60% since the acquisition was announced, reaching over 4,000 clients. It's also added quote-unquote hundreds of banks to its network. Venture capitalists have suggested that Plaid's price was undervalued relative to what it could become, with a Plaid board member saying the opportunity was over $50 billion rather than $5 billion. Given how prominent the Visa Plaid deal has been in the industry, its reversal could have far-ranging effects. Plaid's continued independence will be a source of continued innovation and competition. Industry watchers believe Plaid is likely to go public now, possibly via SPAC or direct listing, though TechCrunch had the impression from Plaid's CEO that this may be a few years out. The reversal could also have a negative impact on fundraising by other fintechs, by making it harder to buy a leading player, putting a damper on future acquisitions by Visa, and making investors acutely aware that a frothy exit isn't a done deal. To read more content related to the Visa Plaid and MasterCard Finicity deals, Check out our November 20th, 2020, Three Shifts edition, USDOJ approves MasterCard's Finicity acquisition while continuing its Visa Plaid suit. And our February 7th, 2020 brief, Visa's $5.3 billion bet on Plaid in the pathway to open banking. Shift 3. Walmart is launching a venture with powerhouse fintech VC, Ribbit Capital. This week... Walmart announced a new fintech startup in strategic partnership with powerhouse fintech VC Ribbit Capital to be majority-owned by Walmart. Details, including the startup's name, are limited at this point, but the new venture is described as delivering, quote, tech-driven financial experiences tailored to Walmart's customers and associates, end quote. According to Walmart, quote, millions of customers have made it clear they want more from us in the financial services arena, end quote. For Walmart, This could be yet another way to bring value to its customers, increase its share of wallet, and gather more customer data. Ribbit Capital's mantra is, quote, to change the world of finance, end quote. According to Ribbit, quote, our goal isn't just to write checks, it's to deposit ideas, end quote. It has backed Robinhood, Coinbase, Wealthfront, Affirm, Credit Karma, Brex, Revolut, Gusto, and Bodit Pay, among many others. With that in mind, the new venture's goals are likely to be ambitious. Walmart has emphasized that growth for the venture may come through partnerships and acquisitions with leading fintechs, many of which already reside in Ribbit's portfolio. Walmart already offers an array of financial services to customers in conjunction with partners, 
It has the Walmart credit card with Capital One, a range of reloadable debit cards and bank accounts, for example, Walmart Money Card with Green Dot Bank, Bluebird by American Express, and NetSpend Visa, mobile payment app Walmart Pay, and in-store installment financing, money transfer, check cashing, bill pay, tax prep, and other services. Walmart also has a stake in major Indian payments player PhonePay through its Flipkart e-commerce affiliate. According to the recent announcement, quote, Walmart will continue to serve customers through its existing financial services and partnerships, end quote, though this language may be driven in part by a desire not to disrupt existing relationships. The new venture could have ties to Walmart's e-commerce and online grocery business or its growing Walmart Plus membership, both areas of strength over the past year. In Q3 2021, its U.S. e-commerce business grew 79% year-over-year, driven partly by the pandemic and an uptick in online grocery orders. As of November 2020, 16 to 17% of consumers in surveys reported having a membership to Walmart Plus, which only launched in September 2020. An estimated 19 million households signed up to Walmart Plus in its first two months. Walmart has demonstrated willingness to take new risks, in some cases, following in the footsteps of competitors Amazon and Alibaba, who both have significant forays in financial services. This new venture parallels other efforts by Walmart to complement and diversify beyond its core retail business, including a partnership with Shopify to bring more third-party sellers onto its Walmart marketplace, launch of a self-serve advertising platform, and expansion into health insurance. The current venture could signal Walmart's intention to target a younger demographic with digital financial services, analogous to its interest in TikTok. Walmart has long had ambitions to own a bank, only abandoning its pursuit of an industrial loan charter in the early 2000s in the face of regulatory friction. However, more recently in December 2020, the FDIC passed a rule making the pathway to acquiring industrial loan charters easier for companies like Walmart. Depending on how the fintech venture takes shape, we could see Walmart go down this path again. For Ribbit, this partnership could be a powerful way to advance both its mission and portfolio companies. Walmart has over 275 million customers visiting its stores and e-commerce sites each week, unique access to underbanked customers, and a trove of valuable data. Most of its portfolio startups would benefit from being able to tap Walmart's incredible channel. With the new venture, Ribbit also has the opportunity to invent new offerings that address the holes in the market and, in their words, deposit some ideas. To read more content related to Walmart, check out our June 19th, 2020, Three Shifts edition, Walmart will integrate with Shopify, adding 1,200 Shopify merchants to its third-party marketplace. In our March 26th, 2020 brief, grocery delivery, e-commerce, and the renewal of Walmart. That's it for this week's Three Shifts edition. If you'd like to read more content and you're not already subscribed, head to sixpages.com to sign up for free summaries of our deeply researched briefs and the Three Shifts edition straight to your inbox. Keep an eye out for our upcoming brief on the growing promise and requirements for 5G. And talk to you again on next week's Three Shifts Edition.